Okay, let me start with this. There were a few moments in this piece that I felt articulated not only my own story, but that of countless others. I've been exploring transition of late in life and work, identity, value, mental load, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. You covered it all. Thank you. This was a comment that I got in a piece of writing I did a couple of weeks ago called How are all the other women getting on? But before I get to articulating how I covered the story of womankind, I need to talk a little bit about podcasting. So I don't actually think I'm very good at it. I keep breaking cardinal rules like having a set schedule so people know when to expect the next episode. I also tell lies about what I'll cover next as last time I said I would talk about getting out of your comfort zone but now I've decided I'd rather talk about something else so I'm fairly unreliable. I haven't managed to get any guests yet as I hold no clout so I'm not even sure this is a podcast and it's maybe me just having a conversation with me. I don't have a jingle. I haven't even said hello and welcome to more than this with Deborah Sloan because that just sounds silly. You've clicked a few buttons, you know what you're listening to. So I guess when it comes to podcasting, I take my hat off to people who do proper podcasts with intros and topics and consistencies and proper guests because none of that is actually easy. Anyway, since we last met, if that's the way we, we put it with the podcast, I don't know. There's been half term and a bit of a nasty tummy bug in my house, hence the delay in releasing this latest episode. I'm also a bit worried because not one, not two, not three, but at least four or five people have recently mentioned that I'm very honest. And I'm not sure what that means as to whether I overshare or I should be lying a bit more about my life or I should be a bit more professional. Like one or two have even asked how my husband and children feel about what I share as if I'm letting them down and I'm wondering exactly how bad it is and I haven't thought that they might one day sue me for telling the truth or something. So please do get in touch if you have any thoughts on how honest I am and whether this is a good or a bad thing. So the piece of writing I want to share this week is not the one I originally planned because this one got more likes and more new subscribers and Substack and more feedback than the one I had originally planned. Hence it felt like a bit of a sign that it should feature on the podcast, plus it got that comment about articulating the story of countless others, which quite enthused me about continuing to be honest if it resonates that much. So here now is me reading, how are all the other women getting on? Since last Friday, I have had FOMO. It's a completely irrational fear of missing out because I have never had any interest whatsoever in the slopes. I don't like to be cold. I am terrified of hurtling downhill at speed. I can't be bothered with layering. I don't want to exercise all day. Besides, I've heard that helicopters circle the mountains waiting to airlift those with life-changing injuries. But the schools are off next week and everybody, and I mean everybody, is going skiing, including people who don't like skiing. The middle-class suburbs will be decimated. It didn't sound like a holiday, but I ran it past those I'd given birth to anyway. Anyone fancy going skiing next February? I asked on the Sloan family WhatsApp. No one replied, but then it isn't unusual to be ignored in my own home. It was preying on my mind. I brought it up again over the Sunday roast. Ella said she was too old to learn a new skill because she'd be 16 soon. 
I blame my FOMO on agreeing to go out with a group of other women. I wouldn't exactly say I was manhandled into a vehicle under cover of darkness and bundled out at the door of a restaurant, but the invite went something like this. I know you don't like crowds, etc., but I am organising a girls' night at... Dot, dot, dot. And it's true that I mainly enjoy my husband's company and that girls' night sent a shiver down my spine and that I'm better at one-to-ones and prefer gatherings with a defined purpose like we're here together to save your soul or fulfill your potential or get you treated fairly in this organisation and I have a bit of an ick about too many women in a room because then the conversation will only revolve around women things and I quite like talking to men whose heads go nowhere near the domestic load and is it the menopause and the best place to get a blow dry and we're never ever trying to discover what we have in common. But it was nice that my retinas and my etc were welcome and so I tore the label off a new dress, sprayed myself with sociability and said a prayer. As we travelled across town, I tried to relax, but the car window had to be opened because someone was having a hot flush. There were a lot of jokes about bottoms as the trio pressed against each other in the back seat, struggled to fit their seat belts under them, and I learned that one friend was doing another friend's washing. Her machine had broken down and I thought of disaster relief and how practical help is really psychological help and how this is the ultimate gift one person can give another. And I was moved by what a beautiful outpouring of love this was. And when I sat down, my neighbour said it was lovely to see me. It had been a while. She was glad to be there. It's good to hear how all the other women are getting on, she said. And she was right. That's why we were there, because it's important to know how all the other women are getting on. And it's always a comfort to know that we're mainly just getting by, juggling a million balls, fighting inequality, drowning in laundry, worrying about our children, dealing with our guilt and our weight and our chapped lips and our chipped nails and that we're still responsible for booking every single thing so that it happens on the right day at the right time. And I'll always want to know what they're doing with their hair, if leather jackets are still in, how they're burning their calories, what meals they're planning, whether their elderly parents are driving them mad and they're longing to put them into care, Who has taken up sea swimming? Whether anyone else has a daughter with weird sleeping habits? If their marriages are still alive? What their coping mechanisms are? Whether they're drinking more than me? If they're living under false pretenses? Or the life they always wanted to live? And I only blinked back a small tear when I was asked if I was still blogging because that sounded like a hobby and it's much more than that to me. And I find it extra hard to prove myself now in circles of professional women without my career and with all this time in my hands to be a wife and remove stains. Amy Bird said that midlife sneaks up on you and it often coincides with some other crisis, like a spouse who leaves you or a job that becomes unbearable. Talk to your friends, she said, check in with them, really check in with them. Look, a lot of the time we need to just get together catch up on our news and have some fun, but everyone is carrying baggage, sorting through garbage and trying to find their own face in the midst of it all. And you can't find your own face by yourself. We just aren't made that way. We need to summon it out of each other. We need friends for this, she said. And I hope that even though we were all carrying our own individual baggage and sorting through our garbage 
that we could all find our own face in the midst of it, that we didn't have counterfeit ones, that we were summoning it out of each other and that no one was afraid to say that they were exhausted or angry or apprehensive about the skiing and they were mainly doing it for the kids. And I could hear their laughter from the washrooms two floors above and I liked being with them because women are the only ones who know what it's like to bring up other humans and wonder if you are getting any of it right. I couldn't sleep on Wednesday night. It was nothing to do with my digestive system or social anxiety or night sweats. I'd sent an email. It was at least three paragraphs of perfectly crafted feedback. I think it's cool that you're calling it out, said my husband, but it didn't feel cool to me. It felt exhausting. I felt like a troublemaker. I felt that I should poke my nose back out again because it was the wrong place for feminism and I was speaking up for others, not for me. And when it was acknowledged with a one-line response and I was thanked for my perceptive insights, as always, it was the, as always, that killed me. I knew I wasn't meant to keep on having these opinions, that the issue and me were probably dead in the water, that it would go nowhere, and I felt defeated, and I couldn't help wondering, would you listen to me if I was a man? And then Caitlin Beatty said this about the church needing to believe women and honour their experiences. I see this as a nearly impossible hurdle for the church, not least because women's testimony has been contested and dismissed since the very start of Christianity. The woman at the empty tomb would tell you as much. And if the church can't set an example of loving and valuing women, then who can? And the next morning, eyes gritty with lack of sleep and with regrets rising, I said to my husband, what have you ever done for womankind? Because I thought of those women on a Friday evening and all that they're doing and all the people who depend on them and benefit from them and all the things that couldn't happen without them and how little men do to make it easier for them. And I wondered who is speaking up for them. And sometimes I don't just have FOMO about skiing. I have FOMO for womankind. Could you write something more uplifting this week, said someone last Friday. They would be tuning into my blog as always. Well, this, my friends, is it. If nothing else, I hope that if no one else will do it for us, that women can keep on having each other's backs, can keep speaking up for each other, and most importantly, can keep checking in on each other. P.S. Have a great time if you're going skiing. So that's the piece I wrote about how all the other women are getting on. So just to cover a few bits and pieces that emerged from that. Firstly, if you did go skiing and see me, bump into me or whatever, I want to get in touch. I'd love to hear more about it. Was there snow? Did you actually ski? Were there moments when you were so terrified you thought you were going to die? Should I have FOMO? Was it worth it? Are you going back next year? I have lots of questions about skiing. And secondly, I mentioned two other writers in this piece, Amy Bird and Caitlin Beattie, both write on Substack too, primarily about their relationship with the church, if that interests you. And you can, of course, find me in Substack if you haven't yet subscribed at debrasloan.substack.com. That's just a little plug for me. And thirdly, what was this piece all about? Well, the comment that I read at the beginning said, transition, identity, value, mental load, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that's so much more than I thought it was about because a lot of it for me was just simply about knowing how other women are getting on. Because sometimes without going a wee bit Tammy Wynette, it can be hard being a woman and you do wonder if you're doing 
any of it right. So a lot of it for me, in spite of my issues about being sociable, was just that reminder of how much we need our female friendships because that's where we talk and share and listen and empathise and give and take and get comfort and love and build strength for our battles and all sorts of things. And Amy Bird was right when she said, talk to your friends, check in with them, really check in with them. And then finally, sometimes in my writing, I leap from one experience to another. I apologise for this if you find it alarming and jumping, but that's how my mind works. And I'm just actually going to go off on a slight tangent here in relation to my jumpiness. This week, one of my daughters, I won't name her or give you her number, i.e. one, two, three or four, so you can identify her. But she sent me a list of complaints about everyone in the family so I could resolve them. And there's an example of the domestic load women carry. Anyway, she didn't say which list of complaints belonged to which household member. So the first thing I had to do was guess. So this set of complaints, I don't like him. Everyone tries to get him to bite me and he stinks. I concluded this was the dog rather than her dad because the issues she had with the other he in the house were not making pesto knocky enough even though it only takes a few minutes to cook and offering himself as the second option to attend her parent interviews which felt a bit beyond what the dog could do. Although funnily enough, he, her dad, had to be the first option in the end for the parent interviews because I was indisposed with the aforementioned Tommy bug. But this was what she said about me and I was quite pleased I only got one complaint but I'm still trying to figure out what is it that she means. Gets like overstimulated too easily and sometimes won't listen to me. If you've any thoughts on that feel free to get in touch. And then back to my final point about the writing and jumping about because In that piece, I went from describing a meal out with a group of friends to my sleepless night because I'd sent an email to call out something that I felt was not right, re how women were being treated. I won't go into detail, but it was in relation to something in the church, as you might have guessed. And what I find most annoying about this is the simple fact that women have to be the ones to call out things because men never see them or else choose not to see them and how often we're just not listened to because we're women would you listen to me if I was a man I said and that led me to ask my husband the next morning what he had ever done for womankind because it can't always be up to women to make things better for other women that's a big woman load And I do a lot of the time have FOMO for womankind because there are things I think women are missing out on because they're having to do so much fighting for things themselves. So I'm going to leave that one hanging. Is there something about men stepping up to do more for the women that do so much for them? Can men help with the woman load? Can men fight some battles on behalf of a woman? If you've any thoughts, let me know, especially if you are a man. Now, this is not an attack on men, but if you are a man listening and you've never thought about womankind or what women do up to this point, I'd love to hear from you. So just a little plug for this week's writing. I will be writing about my half term and I'll be 
jumping about as I usually do from marriage to feminism to Winston Churchill to Yoko Ono so again do subscribe if you'd like to get that into your inbox on a Friday afternoon and finally thank you just for sticking with me if you're listening to these podcasts I won't say when I'll be back or what I'll be talking about as I need to stop lying but hopefully you will hear from me soon